Hello, hello, welcome to the Anime Ichiban Podcast, Yuma Stomp's dedicated anime podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Pontier, yeah, yeah, and joining me we have... Yo, motherfucker, <laughs> it's Harry oh fucking God. Morris, bringing the energy, oh yeah. Over and to Kyle. the other guy. And Kyle. And Kyle. See, I'm like the rhythm part. <laughs> no, but sing it, bass. slash rap it. Fucking rap it, you bitch, you pussy. Oh Mask my god. Mania. Well, I, I feel extremely threatened now. <laughs> that's how, that's how you should feel in a, in a rap battle. Oh god, I guess. Rap, yeah. rap battles well, are made, super You know what? I'll I, just accept that I'm losing the rap battle. I, I cannot imagine being in a rap battle. I would just like, I would just perish on this. so terrifying to look at. I Anyways, I yes. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Anime Ichiban Podcast. Goomba Stomp's dedicated anime podcast. If you couldn't understand me <laughs> earlier... <laughs> We're, we're, we're having a loopy good time. We're out the bat here. We're going to keep it going loopy with our opening bit of starring role. I'm trying it one more time. Give me another shot. I know you guys, okay. you guys no, didn't done. like it, but go, I'm go co- it, coming man. back for round two. All right. So in, in starring role, we got, we got these super prominent characters from anime that have come out. We have yoinked them out of the store for one reason or another, and I am providing replacement options. And you guys have to choose amongst the replacements who to fill in these very big shoes. So to get us started off, and this is going to be very pertinent for later on the episode. So from Darling in the Franks, Ooh, Zero okay. Two has finally gotten tired of Ichigo shenanigans. She's walked off the set. No more. No more Zero Two. Okay. Our options to replace her are Ryuko from Kill the Kill. That's what I was thinking. Morgana from Persona 5. Ooh. Morgana. Yes. Or Aqua from Konosuba. The, oh, these are very... Okay. <laughs> All right. So Morgana's obviously like the fucking troll ass pick, right? Like <laughs> fucking cat. Um so between I mean Aqua Mor- I mean like um Ryuko. Zero Two's got the horns, she's kinda cat like. Oh my god. Uh okay, so like the whole thing about Zero Two is like her, her relationship with Hero is like, you know, it, it's like front and center, right? So obviously whoever replaces her is going to have to feed into that dynamic. Um, and I feel like Ryuko wouldn't put up with his shit. Okay, so, so I'm going to kind of like look at it another way. I would vote Ryuko because she wouldn't put up with any of the Darling and the Frank shit. So <laughs> at the end, when it pulls back the reveal of like, it's actually yeah. aliens, Ryuko would be like, what the fuck? And she wouldn't deal with that. She wouldn't put up with it. <laughs> and she would actually force the narrative into a better direction <laughs> I mean, where it actually stays true to the story built up, and, up until that point. Um, and I think, yeah, she, she wouldn't, uh, I was, I like to imagine Ryuko's gay and that she's with Mako. I like to imagine that, um, Trigger sort of tried to incorporate her as a gay character, but were restricted by the sort of homophobic aspects of, uh, of anime. And, um, I, yeah, I like to think she wouldn't put up with, uh, that same sex nonsense and, uh, we'd get a much better show. We'd get a hella gay, um, hella fucking, uh, a, a hell, a hella show. show. A hell a show. show. Yeah, there'd be infinite. Throw, throw heroes to the wayside, just uh just yeah, Rico no, X, just Rico X Ichigo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well now with Aqua, I feel like Aqua would keep it more to the original scope of this show, just a lot hornier. She would she I think Aqua would try to take control of everything and fail spectacularly. And make everything like, worse. 
Like whenever she, whenever Hero tries to pilot her, it would just be like, no, I don't need you to pilot me. And then just like, well, I forget what the creatures are called. Uh, the hexasaurs, I think. That, yes. Yeah. 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 They would, they, she would just like drive the mech into the, into the mouth. Oh yeah, it's Klaxosaur, Klaxosaur. She would just Evidence drive the, drive the mech into Klaxosaur. This Klaxosaur, show yeah. we left an imprint on us because we can remember yes. it all so well. Uh, <laughs> all right, but I think I think we sell on Rico. Okay, so Rico, you, you're taking some time off of Kill a Kill, coming to fill in the shoes. I'm sorry, Rico. Pranks. All right, next, next, next. We got Madoka. Okay. The one that, that really, really turned the magical girl genre on its head. All right. Start off the whole dark magical girl. Well, I shouldn't say start off, but really like spotlighted it. it had, like she succumbed to despair. She, she ended up like wasn't, wasn't able to overcome it. So to replace her, we've got Megumin from Komasuba. We got Tanya from Saga of Tanya the Evil. Or Roxy from Mushoku Tensei. So, I'd like to see Tanya just because she'd probably, like, just straight up stab Kyube. <laughs> I mean, like, we, uh, Homura kind of tried that. It doesn't really do much. What were the options again? I wasn't listening. So this is for Madoka. Yes. We, we, before we started recording, we were talking about how the podcast has never been fully professional and I think I'm proving why. I genuinely, the reason I wasn't listening, um, downstairs in my house, people were like banging doors. And I was thinking, oh shit, did that show up on the recording? Is that going to be some background noise? <laughs> and because of that, I completely didn't listen to what the three options are. Can you remind me of that? <laughs> okay. Flying by a sea river. We, we, we build the plane as we fly it. That's, that's how we like to pilot yeah, this podcast. Yeah, that's, that's a metaphor. Yeah. I like it. Uh, all, right, all right. So the options were Megumin, the one explosion mage from Konosuba, Tanya from Saga of Tanya the Evil and Roxy from Mushoku Tensei. Ah, oh, this is good. I know none of them. <laughs> oh Kyle, all it's right. all you. It's all you, my friend. <laughs> all right. So I think Megumi has the potential to like severely shorten the, the, uh, the series because I feel like the power of her explosion spell varies a little bit. From episode to episode. It's however powerful they want it to be in the episode. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like Megamine's explosion has the power to just like level the entire city and just be like, well, there's no more people. Therefore, there's no more witches. And we saved the day. So that's that's a possibility there. Tanya, I feel like, would just be... I think Tanya would be... Homura's like partner in a way. They would just both embrace despair. (laughs) <laughs> in the same mm. way mm. and that would that would take that would take the story in a different direction Homo yeah i feel like well so like the whole show is just about like how being a magical girl wears you down right mm-hmm. and i feel like tanya has such a huge strength of will that she just would keep fighting until like shit gets solved so i honestly i feel like tanya would just be homer without the Tanya's got issues. Yeah, Tanya's got got issues, but she's never like worn down by them. It, if anything, it emboldens her even more. That's true. It's like uh, what's what's that Pokemon move? Uh, uh, Bide, bide. Yeah, deal two times the damage that you take in this period of time. (laughs) Oh my god, I completely see. Like I, I play as much Pokemon as I watch anime these days. That's what I'm here for. And then. (laughs) I don't think either of you have watched Mushoku Tensei. This one was 
ever it's going to be put the, on. The overwhelming majority of like names you say, I've heard of them, but mm-hmm. I can't like pinpoint exactly what they are. So I've I've heard of that, but like at the same time, even though you just said it, I've completely forgotten the name already. <laughs> Moshuko Tensei, did he say? Yeah, you got yeah, Moshuko Tensei. Yeah, like yeah, I've, I've heard it, yeah. you say that before, but like, yeah, but I don't know what it is. Kyle, have have you seen it? I have not, no. Okay, yeah, so it's it's one of the original isekai, like even, I can't remember if it was like just before or just after Sword Art, but like in terms of light novel release, they were like really, really close mm-hmm. together. But in terms of like actual traditional isekai going to reincarnating into another world, it was definitely one of the first, if not like the first to really kick off the genre. Mm. Um, and it only recently got its anime adaptation a few seasons ago, and its second season has just started now with one episode out. Um, it's got some issues. Got some issues for sure that uh, people, I, I understand why people will take problem with, but not not about that right now. Anyways, Roxy is the mage character, and she is the tutor for the main character. She is a demon folk. Um, she doesn't take any shit either, but she takes it. She, it's not like Ryuko and it doesn't take any shit. She just kind of like ignores you uh, in a way. It's just like, okay, I don't care what you say or what you mean. I'm going to keep doing it my way. And I know my way is right. And I'm just... It's uh, literally Homura's and, motivation. Yeah, it's true. But Homura, yeah, to your... Yeah, like you said, Homura's got her own set of issues. Roxy, Roxy is more like more confident with herself. She, oh, okay. Yeah, she she's she's already overcome her challenges. And so she knows like, okay, I know what's best for everyone here. Oh. Um, so I think, uh, but to have, to have some consensus, I think I think we're looking at Tanya to replace this role. Is that get right? Him. right? Get him, get their ass. All right, get him, sick him, sick him, Tanya. Are we ever gonna get a second season of that show? I hope. Uh, was it ever announced? No, we just had the movie. That's all we've had so far. Mm. The movie was really good, and it left on a kind of cliffhanger. I would like more. I think there is a second season announced. I'm not sure. Mm. And it's anyway. a mystery. That's yes. the kind of excellent research people tune into the podcast for. <laughs> well, in terms of research, I've tried to pull some news topics for this episode, and there oh, yeah. wasn't a whole lot going on in the past uh Weeks. It's definitely nothing on the level of uh, Star Wars Visions or uh, mm. live action One Piece to discuss, mm. that's for sure. Um, but there, there is uh, all the things I said mainly would fall under also um, and other news. But I want to I want to touch on this little piece really quickly as well. So this is about a uh, Zombieland saga, which I know Kyle Ooh. has watched. Uh, I don't all think right. Harry, I don't think he ever got around to watching it, correct? I think I watched like half of series one. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you probably got to this plot point. So there was recently an interview with series composition writer Shigeru Murakoshi and producer Nobuhiro Takanaka in the uh, in the magazine Meat Pon. And so they were talking about how this anime was kind of conceived and how it was meant to like sort of upend the common sense of uh, traditional idols, real life idols. Yeah. And one of those topics was the character Lily. And so. I'm not sure if you got this far, Harry, but Kyle, do you, what what is Lily's like quirk, so to speak? Not 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 necessarily quirk. Okay, how? Do, oh, uh, it's just her uh, backstory. Yeah, what is her backstory? Yes, that's um, so Lily's backstory in uh, is that she is a trans girl. Um, yes, and it's actually like it was very surprising in the way that it was done when it came out because it was very understated and it Mm -hmm. was one of those things where it was taken 
as fact that yeah, of course she's a girl, and that was like like her transition was like part of it. It was like an entire episode dedicated to it, and it was presented as like you know Lily's personal struggle, right? And part of why she passed away um, and got reanimated as a zombie and it like did this whole look at like repairing her relationship with her dad who was like not it just didn't get it but then like by the end of the episode accepted it um, and supported it Um, but yeah it was just such a refreshing take on that kind of story where it was just again taken as a given um, that right. yeah, of course. There's like no questioning that Lily's a girl. And so, Harry, did you get that far in the series when you were I watching? I don't think so. Also, I did see it a few years ago, so my memory's really hazy of it. Okay. But um, I don't think I got that far. No. Right. Yeah. So, uh, both Motokoshi and Takanaka were basically commenting on just like how how difficult it was to strike that balance, Kyle. Exactly. To just oh like, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. 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 To just like be able to showcase like yes. This is this was hard on her. This was difficult for her, um, but also being like it shouldn't have to be. Like we mm. we should mm. we should present this in a way at we need to present it that's both in a matter of fact and also that presents in a way to draw attention to it, which is yeah. as you might yeah, imagine yeah, yeah, an exactly. oxymoron, a exactly. paradox. Um, and so yeah, they they comment on on how needing to be careful and considerate in dealing with gender issues, a suitable balance, comedic and serious scenes, because that episode was still funny. There was still a oh, lot yeah, of funny yeah, moments yeah. in that episode. Um, and just like all the different ways, like how many times they had to rewrite her lines. And basically the fact that they would even rewrite the lines what during the recording sessions, they would write out the script, be like, this this looks okay. And then they would go into the recording booth. The voice <laughs> actress would voice to the lines. They'd be like... Oh, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't hit quite right. And so they would have to make changes on the fly. And so there is a lot of love and attention put into this character that's just now coming out now. Um, they also comment on how, because Lily died at a very young age, that was also uh, a tip, topic to address sensitively. Mm-hmm. Quote, but we wanted to make her a very strong person who stays positive no matter what and lives life to the fullest. Well, zombies is living is a bit of a stretch, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, they were particularly fond of the line, I'm not Masao, I'm Lily. Yeah. And so yeah, I just, I want to... So yeah, Kyle, you were, you were very much a fan of that. I, I was very much a fan of that as well. Um, what and, and coming anime, and Harry too, involved, because I know you feel very passionately about this as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, this is very difficult to strike this, this balance of, like I said, a matter of fact and drawing attention to it because you don't, you need a little bit of both. But um, because of how difficult it is and because it would, could be so easy to mess up if you do it wrong, um, going forward in anime, would you rather uh, a show go full on and matter of fact, they just exist or full on like drawing attention to it and the struggles they go through? And things like that. Like, what what do you think would be more beneficial in the anime space to begin so, so to normalize? So, in, in terms this? of like uh, progression through just kind of like normalizing things and just being really chill about it, or mm-hmm. more so directly like going into those issues, um, I think it really depends. I'm mm-hmm. not opposed to like uh, like going into those issues and actually exploring them. Um, I mean, like Brooklyn Nine Nine, for example, in the last season, uh, explored Black Lives Matter quite a bit, which I thought was cool. Um, and I think that was a very needed conversation, um, especially in a show of that genre and of that format. Um, I guess going to anime, like, you can absolutely explore, like, 
real struggles and stories of people on the LGBT plus spectrum. At the same time, I think there is something really pleasant about just kind of normalizing it and, and just having uh, LGBT plus characters existing in a very positive way and their gender identities or sexualities not um they're like they're very clear and they're very obvious and they're not like you know subversive or hidden they're very like clearly on the lgbt plus spectrum but it's not like a big deal i think both can have benefits absolutely i think it's just that like if you're trying to explore those stories more personally it is a tricky tightrope and you can easily fuck it up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and it's going to depend too just because like we've seen similar not taboo topics necessarily but more sensitive personal stuff like mental health especially Mm -hmm. um that's something that like whenever it pops up in anime i'm always like apprehensive with how they're gonna deal with it Mm -hmm. uh just because like "Mm, are you are you accurately like portraying what it feels like do you know like does this feel like you preaching to us or sharing with us um right and one of the like series that it had its ups and downs um and i think it was a little weak in some regards but there were certain parts of wonder egg priority that i thought did a really good job about like showing the kind of struggle that a teenage girl might go through right yeah i think wonder egg is definitely a great example for the aspects it does right i think kind of falls apart towards the end but Mm. um yeah in in the beginning Mm. it definitely showcases just how it's okay to be unsure and have be uncomfortable living your life in in some ways and to open up about that as well and not be ashamed about um the kinds of things that you're feeling or thinking and I, yeah it, it's the more that that's shown in media the more mm-hmm. that it, exactly. te- it shows other people that it's oh, okay it's okay that you are still a valid human being yeah even with all that i, I yeah. think it's 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 tricky because wonder egg it got some things right, but it got things wrong as well. And, and that's, again, where, like, if you're trying to explore that more, like, intimately and more personally, it is easy to fuck things up. Yeah. Um, something that I think has done amazing, which no one's really talking about, is um, I'm going to go into typical Harry mode here, but One Piece in its latest Oh, story. my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 we need to keep a track it, of, like, how long it yeah. takes before Harry mentions One I, Piece. I have, I have, yeah, at this point, I just enjoy mentioning it. So... Uh, it's not. It's been like not particularly good at all with trans representation in the past. It had this sort of ongoing gag where there'd be um, men dressed as women, and it was kind of done as this gag. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was always like you know they're very ugly looking people, and Sanji would always be very kind of like bothered by it. And there were certain trans characters who who were great and really likable, but it still kind of characterized them with this kind of ugly masculine appearance. So it was always done in quite a sort of um Japanese comedic way. And obviously it wasn't particularly sensitive. What's been really interesting with the latest story arc, I don't know if it's deliberate from Aichiro Oda. I don't know if it's a deliberate effort to acknowledge flaws or if mm. it's just by chance. But um there's a samurai called Kiku, um, and she uses female pronouns. She identifies as a as a woman, but she's biologically male. But that's never ever held against her. And she is regarded as a female samurai. And she looks great. She looks mm. like a female samurai. She isn't characterized in any kind of like gross, deformed, masculine appearance. Um, quite the opposite, in fact. And I thought that was really cool. And then they've also introduced a character who is um, biologically the daughter of an antagonist, but they identify as a male and they use male pronouns and they regard themselves as, as the son of this antagonist. 
Um, but both of these characters are like, are like good characters. They're like both heroes and they both fight on the side of the Straw Hat Pirates. So like, not only do you have two trans characters here, but they both look fantastic and they're really righteous, good, powerful, kick-ass characters. Mm. And I really, really appreciate that. And, and I guess that's kind of going to what Matt was saying about like having uh, characters, LGBT characters present, but not making a big deal out of it and just completely normalizing it and having it so they fight alongside the heroes and they do good shit and they're cool people and they just happen to be trans. Or they just yeah, exactly. And that's like what and I've seen cool. in a lot of different media before and why, honestly, Persona is kind of frustrating, uh, particularly oh, Persona yeah. 4. Uh, because Persona 4 had the opportunity to tell really, really good stories and represent and represent people with uh, characters like Kanji and Naoto. Uh, God, it's been Naoto? Naoto? Uh, I think it's Nalta, I think. Uh, yes, the the, the, te- the detective girl. But, yeah. like, Nalta, um, specifically, like, her whole thing is that, like, she has, like, body dysmorphia. And that's, like, her entire, like, like internal struggle. And the way it gets wrapped up is, uh, oh, I'm okay with it now. It's not a problem. Bye. I'm better now. And it's like, that's not how that works. And they kind of copped out with it. Um, so yeah, it, like, it really does just, like, require a bit more nuance and thought, and at least one that, when, when the representation happens, like, it should be in a way that validates the existence, not this is a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. Right, I think that's a very good distinction for sure, like, not presenting it as a problem, but presenting it as just part of the character. Yeah, and, like, that's why, like, I, again, Regardless I, of which I still recognize through, yeah. that, uh, there are certain issues with dragon maid but i do fucking love how the main couple is like like they literally got married um quote yeah, unquote in married the episode, in like the yeah. second season and it's like yeah obviously like this is good for them good for them yeah. kind of vibe mm. to it yeah and recently kagaki shoujo as well is showing just like a lot of a lot of homosexuality with its characters and just mm. uh, there's also a trans teacher at the school as well that is That's just cool, like yeah. one, one of the best characters as well uh Ikagaki shoujo is just a very important show go watch it but yeah mm. I, I think i think what we're touching on here is just more more of that please and yeah, I, i'm it's, and just getting this this little insight into the backstory of lily's character as well it really shows just how much effort it takes to write oh, those yeah. characters oh, yeah. well I like think it, what, what's important about all this stuff as well is that when you see this, when you see like various like LGBT characters and you see it portrayed positively, it makes conservatives really angry. Oh my God. And the thing about that is that it makes me so happy to know that they're angry and, and just I, I love the misery of conservatives. It is a real thing I enjoyed knowing that. <laughs> oh I think it was it was uh, Arthur had an episode. That, that I, think, I might have even mentioned this on a previous podcast because it really like struck a chord with me. Arthur, the children's cartoon, had an episode where the teacher gets married and he gets married to a man, and it's a gay wedding and it's it's super super low key, super super like not a big deal. Um, and like it was banned in Alabama, I think. Oh my god! Like, like the epi- <laughs> yeah, and I just think like. If you if you think that an episode of fucking Arthur should be banned, you're a dick and you're an idiot. <laughs> and like, I hope you get pissed off. If you're offended over an episode of Arthur, your opinion means nothing. 
And I really hope you think, oh, fucking Arthur, fucking hate Arthur. I'm going to go and watch some anime to see some some proper heterosexuality. And I really hope you go to your favourite anime just to find the protagonist is now gay, just because I want you to suffer, you oh fucking so homophobic on, on piece this of though, shit. On this though, Harry, like, anyway. because you're obviously <laughs> like a lot more up to speed with the series, and I dropped off around the second season, but my impression is that JoJo is something that's mm. very supportive of not just like, just like the visibility of it and just yeah. being okay with how masculinity is portrayed so it, in, in not in, in a very atypical way. With, with the writer, there was actually it's quite sad. So there was an interview online um, with fake subtitles, and these fake subtitles were really homophobic. Mm. And it was of the, the writer allegedly saying that he doesn't like LGBT people. And and but but it came out later. This was completely mistranslated, completely made up. I figured, yeah, that like doesn't a, sound yeah, right. Yeah, and that's he, pretty he, easily bustable. Yeah, he, <laughs> he did an he did an interview after this saying like it really upset me when people said that about me. And he says in this interview, an actual interview, I'm actually a really big supporter of the LGBT community. Hell yeah. And I've always tried to have characters that are more like fluid and and stuff. And and like, he, I mean, you watch JoJo. It's so like right. <laughs> unabashedly like kind of homoerotic. Clearly, yeah. the dude's not homophobic. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. he's he's loving to play with like he, he loves playing with gender roles and like masculinity and and like playing with kind of male on male love. And whilst there's no like explicitly gay characters in it, whilst it's still kind of like a bit more subversive, it's clear that he's trying his best to play with that as much as he can um, within the confines of of shonen jump and whatever. Like, like within the confines of of the the kind of uh, teenage anime world. Um, and yeah, he's clearly a good dude. He's trying his best. And yeah, Jojo is like very open about that. So yeah, it would be amazing if in future, like a future part of Jojo had like an openly gay character that was, was like just openly confirmed as gay or trans. That would be really cool. It's not happened as of yet, but like it's pretty good. And I think Jojo could do it at some point. I feel like it's building to that at some stage. Mm-hmm. And like circling this all back to Zombieland Saga and Lily's story, it's just like these are opportunities to just tell different stories. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, one of the reasons we go off into different media in general is to experience lives that we can't yeah. experience ourselves yeah. and to empathize yeah. in that regard. Yeah, totally. Mm. I think it, it would be cool if, if um, they, I think if in future trying to explore like gay or trans stories, if they brought in writers who were gay or were trans, just to get that sort of confirmation. Because I know, again, with uh, with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, whenever they've dealt with, like, racial themes, they've had writers of colour come into the show to actually write it. So it's, it's coming from an authentic point of view. And it's not, mm-hmm. like, a white writer saying, this is what I think of Black Lives Matter. It's like, no, it's, it's actually somebody who is on the on the inside, really, who's, who's experiencing it firsthand so they can write about it from authenticity. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it'd be cool if in anime it's like, hey, we're going to tell a story about a gay character here let's get a gay writer in to actually say what their experiences of being gay in japan has been and how we can express that in the story um hopefully that'll happen in future i guess we'll just have to see yeah and Mm -hmm. like there there are always going to be great artists that come from everywhere right it's yeah it's just how like the industry i guess allows for those opportunities and i think over time while it's not as maybe as fast as we might want it it's trending towards inclusivity and diversity and all of that. It's just, it's, it's taking time. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
We yeah. like Demon Slayer. Oh, Demon Slayer's sick. Yeah. Yeah, Demon Slayer's yeah. good. Okay, yep. We like Demon Slayer. Second season's coming out pretty soon. Um, so you you know the the pattern on Tanjiro's Hoppy, that his coat, yes. so to speak, it's called Hoppy. The, the how, black how, and green. How, how would you describe that pattern? Okay, black and green. What what's the pattern itself? What what is that pattern called? Squares, isn't it? Checkerboard? Checkered. Checkerboard, yeah, checkerboard. All right. So so, so. Oh, is, this like a, is there a demon uh, checker set? No, no. Um, this is some some legal shenanigans. Wow. Uh, how would you think going about trying to trademark that pattern would go? Oh God! Wait, uh. isn't it just like an old pattern that has existed in Japan as like a, a thing? I mean, a checker, a checkmark pattern has yeah, existed exactly. worldwide oh, well, yeah, for a yeah, while, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I would yeah, say, yeah, is the yeah, thing. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Suisha, which is, or Shuisha, the publisher for the Demon Slayer manga, ha- has tried to trademark the pattern for Tanjiro, Nezuko, and Zenitsu's patterns. Please don't. And they all failed. Good. <laughs> they all failed. But, but they were able to trademark the pattern for uh, Tomioka. Uh, Shinobu and uh, Rengoku's hobby. Uh, okay. I, I, I love this. I love this. So the, the exact wording for the, the reasoning for checkboard. Just imagine being the, the I think, copyright judge, whatever it's called here. The copyright Reg- judge? <laughs> Regarding Tanjiro's pattern, the, J- the Japan Patent Office noted that the checkboard pattern was ubiquitous and that his appearance in Demon Slayer does not transcend the regular usage of as right. a direct decorative pattern for clothing. Shuisha argued that Tanjiro's pattern is distinct because it includes rectangles as well as squares, and because it is enclosed in a black border. <laughs> While the JPO noted that the black lines could be seen, the lack of blank space past the border made it difficult to discern at a glance. Therefore, the design lacks significantly distinguishing traits from the historical usages of the checkmark pattern. Mm. Just, just put yourself like, in this judge's mm. shoes and be like, you guys are fucking insane. I it's a checkmark like, pattern. I always feel like copyright law is really weird with how it works mm-hmm. because like, I, I hate this whole culture of like suing people and just like trying to trademark everything because I always feel like it, it's the wrong things are taken seriously. So, for example, like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but, like, have you ever gone onto Spotify and you've looked up an artist you like and somebody has uploaded their own shitty music under that <laughs> artist's name? Has that ever happened to you guys? I don't really I use don't Spotify, so I can't say I've it has. I've had that happen with me, but I also don't use Spotify these days. Right. It's, it's super common in, like, dance music and electronic music. And it'll be where, like, you can go on and it'll be, like, I don't know, fucking, like, some some bellend has like uploaded some shit music that's theirs and they can put in the description like featuring Skrillex or something and, and like that will get on iTunes or that will get in Spotify and then like Skrillex or the label would have to go and take it down and they'll have to go through the legal process um technically whilst my music's copyrighted there's nothing stopping someone from like pinching it and then re-uploading it under their own name and trying to pass it off as their own and it's like I think that's really really fucking shitty and it just seems that that's not taken particularly seriously when it is literal theft of somebody's work. Yet, something like trying to trademark a really vague thing, it's just, it's the same as when like, artists like, sue each is, other yeah. over, like, your song uses the same chord progression as mine. And we try to sue each other. And it's just like, oh, fuck off. Like, yeah. it's a completely like, different on the song. One hand, it's just, 
on the one hand, I get it, right? Because it's like people, like, I, I see it happen a lot, especially like on, on the video game side of things. People just like take ideas and they plagiarize. Yeah. Them. But it's like, I, I feel like there's an amount of plagiarism that you just kind of have to accept as a given. Um, and like it's like Nickel- Nickelodeon All Stars Brawl, cough. Hey, yeah, whatever. Like, who's gonna be like? <laughs> I'm sure Nintendo has tried to trademark platform fighters, but it's like mm. you limit people so much from just trying to restrict them because you want to own an idea. Mm. I don't know. Not not a fan, but again, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think I, I just, copyright is really inconsistent. But yeah, sorry, Matt. Carry yeah, on. yeah co- copyright and trademarks are important in the right context. This mm. is just a hilarious context, though. I just, I just look at this story and laugh. I don't know about you guys. This is just hilarious to me. Like you look at you look at Tanjiro, Nezuko, and Zenitsu's patterns, especially Zenitsu's, which is just triangles on yellow. And it's just like, okay, that's a pretty simple pattern you got okay, there. It's I, like I you guess- take. The like w- was I would imagine part of their defense is like okay well literally where else is this right and it's like this specific arrangement I guess <laughs> it just hasn't been trademarked before so and it doesn't like exist as like a cultural thing right I, get, I yeah and I guess there's another side okay let's start, say you take like a kind of a pretty shitty company and they're like we're gonna release a new clothing brand that is just every design from Demon Slayer just repurpose into our own clothing like you would kind of say hang on you have just copied every single design from this anime slash manga and just passed it off as your own in that context i think it would be pretty sketchy but like for example i own a jacket that is like a green and black checkered jacket it's not demon slayer related but i just someone got it for me i think for christmas and it's just a jacket i have and i don't think that's plagiarism of demon slayer but it's like you're saying, it's context. If if a company was literally like, we're going to copy every single clothing design from Demon Slayer, then you'd maybe raise your eyebrows and be like, hang on, that is just blatant plagiarism of a whole like show slash mm-hmm. comic. So yeah. I just remember, think back, do you guys remember when, uh, what was the developer's name? I think it was King. The developer of Candy Crush Saga tried to trademark the word Saga. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what the fuck, really? <laughs> yep. Fuck off. And the judge was like, No. Yeah. That is not how this works. See, that's when it just gets ridiculous. Like, I'm a huge believer in, like, protect what you own. And, like, I hate thievery. I absolutely hate people stealing content. It's so immoral. But, like, that's just when people get ridiculously greedy. Like, like when people say, yeah, I'm going to trademark the word saga. Think about the amount of things that you use that and word. We wouldn't like, have Zombieland. We'd have, like, Zombieland yeah. episodes or zombie. I don't know. <laughs> I know um, it was around that that happened around the same time the banner saga came out and people speculated like that uh, was the reason for the law or them trying to patent it. Oh, fuck but off. There's, there's no, there's no basis for that, but it was a coincidence that happened at the same time. Mm. Yep. That's, that's all I had for this one. Just a, uh, just a little chuckle. I got out of this. That's I a lot of someone, news. I hope someone tries to steal anime Ichiban and we get to uh, <laughs> claim copyright and sue them. And we we I, find the, the Ichiban anime podcast. Yes, yeah, that'd be good. We'll get to a big legal battle, but we can talk about the legal battle in our podcast episodes. It gives us new content. Yes, exactly. That's a new segment. Legal battles. Legal <laughs> shoulder we're now, battles. We're, we're now a judicial podcast. Yes, that's what we'll evolve <laughs> into. All right, that's all the news I got for this episode. Like I said, it was a pretty slow, slow news cycle this time around. So we're going to jump right into our Shitsumon. 
which is ours continuing down memory lane of the, the last decade of anime, the most influential shows of each year. And this year brings us to 2018, which is quite, a, quite an important year for this episode. Not, not this, this bleh, sorry, important year for this show. Because that is when we started Anime Ichiban was 2018. And what a way to kick off the shows to talk about because of that than Darling and the Franks, which we talked about on the very first episode of this very podcast. We talked about Darling and the Franks and My Hero Academia. Those were our two main topics for the very first episode, Anime Ichiban number one, Colin Pilot. (laughs) Mm. So... Would you like to regale me about the tale and trials and tribulations of Darling and the Franks and why people were hopeful about it and why it was so uh, such a big deal at the time and what its legacy became in the end? I think everybody's just waiting for another kill a kill. I think Darling and Franks is weird because genuinely like, so I thought the start was a little bit slow, but around like episode six or seven, I think it started to really kind of get pretty good. And then the middle of the show I thought was fantastic, like really, really mm-hmm. genuinely brilliant. And then the ending just completely missed the mark. Like the, the final, I don't know, five-ish episodes really missed the mark. However, with all that said, I feel like, maybe it's a hard take, I feel like it's a very memorable show for the most part. And it's kind of, it, it, like the fact that we're still talking about it years later shows, but actually it was overall pretty fucking good. Because, like, there's a lot of shows that just get forgotten. And Darling in the Franks, mm. years later, we're still talking about it, um, mm. including its flaws. And I think that that's got to count for something. Like, it clearly did something right. So, yeah, just to, just to add some optimism into the eventual criticism we're going to throw its way. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's, that's why it's, like, so frustrating. It's because it's really, really, like, when it's good, it's really good. But by the mm. same token, when it's bad, it's pretty bad. So mm. I, I one one of the one of the strengths that we really enjoyed about the show was the interpersonal relationships. Right, that was that was the highlights of the shows. Mostly was the kick the the kids characters just kind of like banding together and working things out. Like we kind of took the whole mech battle parts. Like we could take or leave, and especially like the. The anime IMX, I think that's its legacy too. The, the weird ass mechs they piloted with the weird ass piloting mechanism that we shall not speak of. But at the core, like we really enjoy just seeing um, these these coming of age stories of these various characters and these um, relationships developing in a very turbulent times between them as well. I think I recall us saying how we all really liked the beach episode because it, it really it wasn't just fluff. It really mixed in some like. Uh, legitimate character building it, as, yeah as well. it genuinely felt like a, a compelling drama where mm-hmm. you like it was a beach episode where i really started to think i actually really like these characters mm-hmm. and i'm actually really enjoying seeing them interact and that's when it became a really entertaining show for me um right. and you yeah when it kind of took more time away from the mech stuff and was actually just focused on the drama like i just kind of wanted it to be like a coming of age drama like because I was, I was really enjoying that personally mm-hmm. and then and then space. Yeah. <laughs> and then space. Yeah, and then space happened. Do you guys remember about when all that started happening? I think it was like the last quarter of the show or so, maybe. Yeah, it was the last like batch of yeah, episodes. Like I, 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 I was so pissed off about this. Like when I was more writing regularly for Goomba Stomp, yeah. I literally like wrote an article about like how disappointed I was. 
um, yep. a series of articles because I was following along as it was airing. And yeah, it's around like the twin, it's like a 24, 26 episode series. And it's around the episode 19, 20 mark where we just don't see zero two again until she's a weird giant space bride. And at that point she's like <laughs> not even really zero two. So yep. yeah, it's just, I don't know. It so let's off. let's let's talk about Zero Two a little bit more as well, considering we we replaced her in the casting earlier in this episode as well. We got we got plenty of time to talk about her now. So would you say Zero Two benefited the story? Did, did what was she an integral part? Was she did she was she actually necessary for the best parts of the show? Yes. Despite uh, not yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, I think she was a great I think she was a great character and mm-hmm. I really rated her. Okay, I so genuinely I think really her, liked her, her, her relationship with Hero and like the backstory was yeah. like really well done and it, it yeah, like, did that, a lot that, to that, flesh out both of their characters. And that in many ways, I think mm-hmm. it was that period where the show really peaked when it did oh, yeah, their backstory. Abso- abso- and there was that, revel- that revelation about like they used to know each other and they used to like really get on well. My memory's a bit hazy so I can't fully remember but I seem to remember there was this really emotional moment where they break down crying when they remember that I think Hero saved her in the past or something and yeah, yeah, yeah. when they realised that but then immediately after, I think it's again, it's, it's like when, um, is it Kokoro and somebody else get married? And it was, it, yeah, like these two two of them get married and they fall in love. And it's a really heartfelt moment. And it was after that, these characters storm in and rip them away from the wedding. And I felt like that ripping away these characters was almost like synonymous with the show ripping you away from the good content because <laughs> it was after that but it kind of ripped you away and it erased their memories okay can i just say one of my least favorite plot conventions in anything is characters losing their memories amnesia i fucking hate it because it completely halts momentum in any character arc i absolutely can't stand it and when these two characters you'd watch them for ages falling in love they get married and you're, you're like really invested and then we show up again next episode and they don't know each other anymore and they've had their memories erased. I fucking hate it. And it always feels cheap when they regain yeah. their memories or they relearn yeah. to love each other because it always feels like... We, we, we already went through this. We already went through... Yeah, you're just repeating the character arc now, only not as good. And it's like, I want to, I want that character arc to go further, not to just kind of like reset. Yeah, it, it, it was exactly the same issue with fucking uh, Zero Two because they, they, yeah. they put her in like cryostasis and then, all right, cool, it, no more of like the awesome dynamic that we had literally and, for the first two thirds of the show. It, as soon as they started doing that, it's just like all of this great drama, all of this great character stuff that we've been enjoying, you're resetting it, you're hitting the brakes on it. And just as we're thinking this is a bit shit, aliens invade out of nowhere and it's like oh for fuck's sake like so it kind of gets everything wrong all simultaneously it resets these character arcs it veers them off into frustrating directions and then it kind of pulls a a total switch where it's like every narrative aspect of world building and exposition you thought was going to pay off actually was a red herring and the real enemy is these aliens and it's just like, I kind of don't want to, sh- I kind of don't give a shit. I just want to see more of these characters and I want to know if their relationships and their friendships are okay. Mm. And yeah, it's, again, I, I seem to remember there was a, I can't remember the, the character's name, but there was a character who, who was gay and she had feelings for another one of the characters. Ichigo. And it was, yeah. Ka- Ichigo, yeah. And it was kind of mentioned, it was, it was kind of like, it, it kind of got brought up, but then it never really went anywhere. And this girl was just kind of shut down because the girl she fancied wasn't gay. 
and she was just kind of shut down, but then they kind of reconciled and they were mates. But it never really paid off again. And I just thought, like, that to me is such a great plot thread. You could actually have a really mm. great gay character here. And you could really, like, to me, that could create such an interesting situation. How does she process her emotions and how does she deal with this rejection from the girl she fancies? How does all that affect Yeah, it the story? just felt like they had a and bunch it, it of plot doesn't. threads. Yeah, it, it felt like they just yeah. had, like, a bunch of plot threads set up and they kind of just, like, didn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like, it is, like... It's, it's Chekhov's good, isn't it? That, that story writing convention where mm-hmm. everything has to pay off. Every single thing you introduce has to like have an effect on the narrative or on the characters. And if it doesn't, you should eliminate it from the story. And there were so many things that were set up that just didn't pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of like chucked them to one side, being like, because actually the real enemy was to do and the mm-hmm. real story yeah. is to do It's like, I don't care about the quote unquote real story. I want to see the story that you've built up for like 20 fucking episodes by yeah. this point. Yeah. So yeah. You guys remember way more than I do. I'm suffering from amnesia, apparently. I forgot about all of that. But maybe it's because what you said, like none of it paid off. And so therefore, mm. it, didn't, it didn't stick with I just me. remember it so strongly because I had... It, it's one... Honestly, Darling in the Franks was like one of the shows that stopped me from watching seasonal anime. Mm. Just because it, I was so... Hot. I went from being so excited to being so blasé about it. And <laughs> I don't like that feeling. <laughs> yeah. I remember I started watching it because of the podcast. I wasn't going to watch it originally. And then like, okay, we're going to talk about it. I guess I should watch it. Uh, yep. <laughs> what is also this year, though, that topped our best anime of the decade list way back when. Mm. Do you know what that was, Kyle? Harry? Do you remember our list from a year uh, ago? You can... Oh, didn't no, it didn't even make the list, unfortunately. <laughs> um, would it have been Demon Slayer or was that 2019? No, Demon, Demon Slayer. Slayer recent. Yeah, although that, I think I think that barely squeaked in the list, but it was not at the top. Okay, um, shit. What was it? 2018 top anime. I can't remember. And not not just tw- best anime of 2018. It won our. It topped our best anime of the decade list that we made oh, at fuck. the at the start of 2020. Okay. Oh fuck. Oh, why can't I remember? Oh, um, uh, I know, I was going to say Made in Abyss, but we spoke about that last time. Yep, Made in Abyss was number two. Right. Shit, no, I can't remember. Yeah, because I don't think you've actually watched this one, Harry. Oh, A really? place further than the universe. Oh, Fuck, hell I've yeah. Not, I've not, I've not, watched, yeah. It. I've not yeah. watched it. Yeah. yeah. So a place further than the universe a, topped our list show. of best anime of the decade after many, no, many rounds of... Many, many rounds of voting. I fucking love that show as well. It's just, I'm, I'm actually putting together an article right now, or not even an article, more a list of just like really good single cur anime, like 11 to 13 episode anime that start and end. Like that's the whole story. Yep. Just yep. 13 episodes, self-contained. And so a place for the universe these days. Yeah, is the epitome of that. It is so self-contained. And it's one of the few shows that is just like, downright inspirational mm-hmm. to watch like you you get done watching it and you're just like i want to i want to do something i'm gonna go I climb a mountain like, i'm gonna yeah, go, I'm gonna, go fi- I'm gonna go fight a bear yeah, <laughs> i'm gonna yeah, start it, doing it, it is very empowering because yeah. you, like in such a short amount of time too you get to grow so attached to these characters and their struggles mm-hmm. and like you know exactly how low they feel and mm-hmm. when you see them like finally reach the top it's so gratifying you feel and, happy uh, and those and and those characters as well. You feel you see yourself so often in their mm-hmm. actions and their feelings mm-hmm. as well. Amongst amongst all of them, like it's so 
the feelings they feel. It's just that 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 frustration, that innate frustration of stagnation that we all feel. Mm-hmm. That we're we're stagnating in life. It's like I'm not doing anything. Like what what am I doing? It's like everyone feels that at some point. It's also such a smartly written show. Like now that I'm just remembering about this, there is one scene uh, where it, Hinata, that that was the girl who worked at the convenience store. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Hinata. Uh, like, you don't find out about her backstory until, like, halfway through the series, but, like... More than halfway, yeah. yeah. Like, pretty deep into it, but, like, in the first episode, there's a scene where she's, like, running after, running away, and it's, like, she's, like, sprinting like a motherfucker. Uh, and she's got, like, perfect fucking form, and then you don't find out until, like, later that she was, like, a track runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's part of her backstory and, like, why she's, like her own personal struggle. Um, and she's got yeah, to like, I think, go through that, but it's like, they drop that in, in the first episode and it's like, Oh, you don't really realize it until later, but yeah, that's very smart storytelling. And it, it touches on a lot of important lessons. I feel like that mm-hmm. can easily be viewed as negative, but are very important to know. For example, same as Hinata is like knowing like when it's okay not to forgive someone or when the yep. right action is yep. to not forgive someone. Mm-hmm. Like there are, like, I feel like an anime and to some extent it is important to like n- learn forgiveness and be able to accept people and believe in people. But there are some things and sometimes, and it's not even has to be like, I murdered your parents and sold off your sister to slavery or something like that. It's like a lot, there are a lot of things that hap- happen in just everyone's lives. It's just like, no, that was not Okay. And it doesn't matter if you're apologizing it to it now. I, I, I can't forgive you for that. And yeah. that's a really tough pill to swallow. But they the way they portrayed it was so, yeah, and that's so such well a, it, It's, I don't know how to phrase it, like a high level concept with relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very interesting how they were able to portray it in a way that didn't feel patronizing. Right. Lear- learning to say no as well. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's, yeah. it's also because, like, not to sound too negative, but some people just don't change. Some people yeah. will always be cunts. And, and like, that's just where it's, it's like, why should you forgive someone if they're potentially still going to make the same mistake? Mm-hmm. It's like, I believe in forgiveness and rehabilitation to a point, but, like, you hear about some people who go to prison and they, they're in prison for fucking decades and they come out and they reoffend, and it's just like, yes, you, you're always going to be a scumbag. Like, you're always going to be a piece of shit. So why should anyone ever forgive you? I know it sounds very, like, negative of me, but, like, there is truth to that. Yeah, and, like, mm-hmm. I guess like, from a less negative angle, it's, like, just knowing, knowing knowing limits, knowing your own limits, and knowing other people's limits. And it's, like, you don't mm-hmm. have to worry yourself over something that you have no control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I just, I just want to touch on also just, like, the way this this show just kind of like entered the anime sphere as well. It's it's a show by Madhouse, which is like, okay, eyebrow raising. And then you look at the plot, it's like, and it's about girls that want, high school girls that want to go to Antarctica? What? And so there's just like two conflicting signals going on here. Was this an anime original? There's an anime original as well. So like no, mm-hmm. no source material. So you, you got Madhouse at the helm here. So Madhouse, the people who are like, well-known for over-the-top, like, really bombastic shows like One Punch Man. Uh, Red High School Line. of the Dead was the next one that popped up. Red Line, thank you. That's a better one. Like, really, like, adrenaline-pumping action. And then we're like, okay, we're going to scale it back now. We're going to take a step back. We're going to slow it down. And we're going to do a, a moe, what looks like a moe blob in, in our And it's kind show. of a moe blob sometimes. Yeah. And, and, yeah, it definitely, it, it, 
it is a moly blob in Antarctica, but the thing is, like, it's, and this sounds so cliche, but it's more than a moe blob in Antarctica. I mean, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to go to bad and say all moe blobs are more than just moe blobs, but, you know, whatever. Mm, I won't say all. So. <laughs> a good amount. Of, a good amount. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it, I think another thing it just does really well is just, like, the sense of wonder of traveling as well. Like, mm-hmm. even before they get into Antarctica, like, the episode where they're in, I think it's Australia, and just, like, uh, exploring around, it's like, it feels it feels so nice to travel when we can travel again um, mm. and just get out there and see the world. So, yeah, I, it's just, it's a very important show. It's a very easy show to watch again because it's only 12 episodes. It teaches you so many different lessons. It reinforces so many things. It has so many, so many, so many high points. Um, it does the thing where the second at last episode feels like the last episode and you're wondering how the hell can you have another episode after that? And the last episode is also amazing. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's definitely when you, when it comes to memorable anime, that's definitely, definitely up there for sure. Woo. And then also appropriately this episode, 2018, the first season of Zombieland Saga. Hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. fall 2018. So I feel like we, we already talked in depth about this and then in the news topic, but yeah, this 2018 was when the first season came out. So it took three years for the next season to come out. But yeah, we, we, we mainly talked about Lily. Um, earlier so let's just uh talk about the absurdity okay so i i'm pitching you an idea for an anime right i'm 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 you're 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 the production board i'm i'm a i'm a writer director or whatever pitching you this idea and i'm like okay hold up i got this idea zombie idols ah, ah. what's your reaction yeah. <laughs> on, on the surface it sounds a bit shit doesn't it <laughs> No, no, you're you're the production committee. Tell me, tell me what your reaction is. Tell me how you react to this pitch. I would uh, firstly, I need to cough, so I'm going to cough in my, in my meeting. <laughs> <coughs> so I'd cough like that, and then I would also, um, I'd I'd say that's a bit shit, isn't it, mate? <laughs> Probably only in Japanese. That's a bit. Oh shit, my god. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I think honestly, like, I feel like the if you just heard that pitch, right? Whoever the producer is would be like, hell yeah, idol shows print money, do it, because <laughs> they do. That, that's they're awesome. like yeah, that's easy, awesome. low hanging fruit. They're literally like you watch any Love Live series or any fucking like consume any Idol Master Media, and it's all the same shit with a different bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. Here's me thinking they have integrity and would actually want to fund something that's that's different and yeah. And granted, like you know, it, and, it's fun if you like indulging in that kind of stuff. But if you're looking mm-hmm. for something different, yeah, you don't watch or consume idol media. I think idol idol shows and isekai are to the anime industry as FPS. Uh, e- yeah. Yeah, just FPS genre is to gaming. I yeah, feel like. yeah, I, yeah, I can buy that. Yeah, it's like they, they have a formula. They know it works and it works really well. And it's like mm-hmm. if you understand that and like it for what it is, yeah, you know what? More power to you. The thing is, is that by focusing on this genre, the anime industry remains idle. Oh, shut up. Uh, 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 Get out of this uh, fucking production uh, uh, room. Uh, 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 I'm almost uh, good. I'm, that was a good pun. I it, it was. was uh, I think I thought that was decent. That was decent. I'll, I'll give you, you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, so because of Harry's decent dad joke, his his rule override. So therefore, Zombieland Saga is getting shut down. Not getting funded. No. 
Crossed off the list. We move on. I didn't reiterate that. Like, I'm not saying Zombieland Saga. No, no, yeah. I know. I'm just, I'm just committing to the bit at this point. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, you hear, you hear the the premise for the show, and it's like, okay, yeah, idol show, go ahead. But like, what? Um, and for to be fair, it is very much what, especially the first episode. The first episode is just a whirl of emotions. I I think when I went to watch it, I didn't read the description or anything like that. I think one of my friends watching is one of those things. He just said, like, just go watch it. Like, don't don't look into anything. And so you, you start watching. It's like something feels off. Like it, it's started off way too happy and something's going to happen. And then you don't quite expect like truck and then zombies and it, it go it, it bounces between like oh is this going to be like actual horror because the first few minutes are actually kind of terrifying i, when I they're remember all zombies. i watched episode one with my ex and mm. as the girl runs out of the house she jokingly said imagine if i had a truck hitter and she yeah. she said oh that God. not knowing what was gonna happen and then yeah. the truck hit her and she was so with the heavy metal right like, after yeah she was like what the fuck it I was a very violent future. crash yeah. also yeah, the way it was cut yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 This is just, and then I think the the moment of the show that really sold it to me was the second episode. Okay, now now we understand kind of what this ep- the show is going to be. Like most of them, except for Ty, have gotten their sanity back now, and they're just like, okay, it's going to be some idle thing. And I'm not sure about this. I think Mappa because this Mappa has really been coming up on the radar as of late, and this was one of the reasons. Um, but I think Mappa knew exactly that's what we were thinking. Mappa was like masters of mapping out exactly how we were going to think about the show. It's like, okay, at this point, they know what kind of show this is. They think they know what kind of show this is. And we're just going to completely turn it on this head again. They go into that rap battle in the second episode. Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. 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 You have to watch it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That rap battle was as far away from an idol as you can possibly get. (laughs) And it was incredible. And then at that point, they they really interspersed like these songs that they had are actual slappers. Like I the thing about Love Live and Idol Master and all that, um, yeah, they have nice choreography here and there, but not not all the songs are like really great to me. Like some of them are really yeah, cool, okay. like Snow Halation, of course. But in Zombieland Saga, especially the second season, every single song that they came out was just an absolute banger when they finally had yugiri's um song and it was like all uh showa themed with mm-hmm. like shamisen and all that i'm like holy shit this is incredible <laughs> it was like red light district themed like they would they they i feel like they didn't rest on the laurels even when they had the backing of the idol genre even when they went in leaned into the idol aspects of the show they didn't just like settle for average. They they tried to go above and beyond on that. On top of everything else going on in the background, the idle zombie nonsense, um, just all the morbid undead humor, the sound effects in this show. I don't know if you guys remember, but just the way they squelch and crack when they're just yeah. moving around normally. Yeah. It's just like, ugh. It, it's great. And it just always finds ways to surprise and delight you as well. It, 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 the, the zombie yeah. aspect never fades in the background, even during the concerts. They'll like electrify themselves and do like all the light shows. It's always there. It's not just like something like might, okay, here's our hook, to, and then it. I'm have to go back to it and like check it out again because oh, I, I did great. quite enjoy it's, what it's I saw. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, also, I, I just remember so Kyle, you've got to go to work at some point, and we are approaching an hour. So uh, yep. I just I, I don't want Kyle to be late for his job, going out on the town and uh, I am uh, and multitasking satisfying, right now and uh, satisfying everybody with his. <laughs> Tight, tight ass oh, on the town. Boy. 
<laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go through the rest of these quickly, but we'll yeah. Speedy, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about Zombieland Saga before moving on? I mean, really, yeah, it's, 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 I think you even said it at one point, Matt, but it's like, they tricked me into enjoying an idol show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, unlike, it's, it's good. Unlike this season, there's a show called Pride of Orange, Pride which of is Orange. a hockey show. Yeah. And the first few minutes is like really, really well done animation. I'm like, holy shit. Like. I don't, I'm not a fan of like these character designs that look stri- straight out of Love Live, but this is really good animation. And then they broke out, break out into an idol concert after the game. Like, I was robbed. Yeah. I knew something stunk about this. Mm. Um, anyways. Yeah. So other, there were a lot, there was a lot of uh, notable shows this year. To touch on a few more, Eurocamp was indeed this year. You got, uh, Kyle mentioned oh, that, or no, Harry mentioned that a little bit. Yeah. But that started 2018. Uh, winter 2018, which that that show you ha- it has to come out either winter or fall. It, that would Kyle's feel wrong. Least favorite show. He hates it. Can't stand it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so Sorry, much that he, he smashes an Android. Uh, summer 2018 was High Score Girl, which I know oh, Kyle, you're also a fan nice. of. Yeah, no. yeah. You wrote you wrote an article too about that too. Uh, fall 2018 was Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, which. What a surprisingly delightful show that was, too. Um, just touching on, again, a lot of really um, real topics that typical high schoolers go through and struggle with as well. And just what a, what an end of series twist as well, the way it just subverts your expectations. Like it kind of plays on the jaded anime expectations. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article on that as well. Uh I won't spend too much time on this because I've already said my piece on it plenty of times, but it was influential and still impactful. Violet Evergarden. Did any of you guys ever end up watching I that? watched like three episodes and was like, this is everything I don't really like about KyoAni. <laughs> like, I don't get me wrong, I, I, I love KyoAni shows, right? Um, but there's just, it, it's, there's a certain kind of melodrama that like, it, it's just melodrama. Which is like, ah, like lighten up a little. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see it, but I kind of get what you're describing. And it's like, there. I get that that's like, the point. It's a very melodramatic I, series, but. I do think it's annoying sometimes when, when anime is very, very like, everybody cry now and we're going to do sad music and everyone cry. And it's like, but I don't feel sad. Like I, I want to, like, like I do, but like, I don't know the character and I don't know what's going on. So why would I feel sad? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's right, like, yeah. Yeah. there's, there's like, a lot to, of that. You have, to, yeah. you have to really invest someone in the characters and invest them in the story. And then it's like, oh shit, here's something yeah, to make and, you sad in now. Violet if, you've, Evergarden, if you've not worked that time, if you're not taking that time to invest someone, it's like, yeah, you can't really. Yeah, they kind of, they kind of hit that emotional high right out the gate. And it's like, oh, buddy, slow down a bit. Mm. I, I will say like, to Violet Evergarden's credit, like I, I cried many, many times watching the show. And I like to cry when watching shows. But I cried, like, for the individual, like, vignette stories, not for the overarching story. Mm-hmm. Whenever it came about Violet herself, I just couldn't bring myself to care too much about her, unfortunately. Yeah, that was kind of how I felt about, I don't know if either of you watched Death Parade. I did, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a I, similar not, thing. I, where need, it's like, I need to watch it. I, I, I wanted to watch it, but I can't find it streaming anywhere. It's on Funimation, I believe. Um, but go on, go uh, on, Kyle. Uh, but yeah, like Death Parade had like a similar thing where there's an overarching setup uh, where you have like characters that are persistent through the entire series 
And the whole premise of it is each episode is a little vignette. And it's like, yeah, the same thing where it's like each vignette is like so powerful um, and they explore some like really deep and there, dark. There, there are a couple of flops in there, there but yeah, for the most couple, part. But yeah. for the most part, yeah. like, they were all really good. And then like they try to like rush the overarching narrative in the last episode. And it's like, I get what you're going for, but it's like, uh, yeah. 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 I think, uh. Violet Evergarden was a little bit more extreme, but I know a lot of people love it. I'm not going to rag mm-hmm. on it because I've done that plenty of times. But yeah, that that for better or worse, it's definitely an impactful show. Um, Cells at Work, Summer Hatoraku 2018. Hatoraku Saibo, yes. My, 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 biology, my biology anime, I love it. It's just such a great, fun representation of biological processes. Please watch it. It makes biology fun. Um... Both the new FLCLs came out in 2018. Oh, my God. Yep. Damn. Yeah, this Which, was... Uh, th- yeah, this was the year where I watched a lot of anime. Holy shit. I'm just now realizing. Well, yeah, that's... Yep, because I remember because the, when that was when we were starting the, the podcast again. I remember you saying, like, yeah, I'm getting back into anime after um, not watching it for a while. So, yeah, this is definitely a lot for you. Oh, God. I, uh, I personally loved a lot about the new FLCLs. I get why they're not as highly regarded. Mm-hmm. Because but, I feel the original FSCL feels like one of those things that you could just never live up to. Oh yeah, to be it, it's with. total yeah. lightning in a bottle, and it's like it's very, it's a product of its time in so many different regards. Not to say that alternative and progressive aren't, but the original Fooly Cooly, there's so much artistry, and creativity, and just a lot of ideas that are really out there that they just mm-hmm. decided, all right, we're gonna fucking animate this. Let's go. Um. And yeah, like alternative and progressive are like, I, I like to view them in terms of like coming of age and they're coming of age stories. Yeah. Um, but I think it's progressive, which is the second series to come from the new ones. Um, um, yeah, that was the second one. Yeah. And that was my personal favorite of the two, just because the first one alternative was a little more muddy and it didn't feel super clear with what it, the kind of story it wanted to tell. Um, and yeah, just progressive was a very nice story about growing up and how like being a teenager means you have to stop being a teenager at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I still haven't watched either alternate progressive, but I, I can definitely see that for sure. Another show for better or worse, 2018 pop team epic. What might for better for worse popped? I, I like B Cub. Yep, that sure is a show. Moving on. Oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. Pop, pop, do you want? Pop do you want? Epic's cool. Okay, <laughs> it's 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 me. It's Beams the show. That's for sure. I I watched a, like a bit of one episode and did not care for it. Okay, <laughs> so to be yeah, in in Pop Team Epic's defense, it is the kind of show that you watch if you like watching Adult yeah. Swim cartoons. Like you, you, you know if well, you're think, in its think, audience already also, going into it. You, you need you need to know Japanese to get the humor. I don't even think you need to know Japanese. You just need to understand like this kind of non sequitur type of humor, where the joke is that there is no joke. <laughs> right, but for me, that gets old. Oh God, like, I love it. Yeah. See, it, it's like I, I'm the kind like, of person who like loves like just, unabashed yeah. irony for irony's sake. That's what I mean. It's like, you you know if you're in this show's audience oh, yeah. before yeah, going yeah. into it's it. It's definitely like yeah. you watch I one like, episode and you either love it or hate it. 
or don't care. I like cynical, dark, depressing humor that's miserable. So I'm I'm not it's I'm not really the right target audience for it, but to each their own. Yeah. And then I just want to finish off with uh, this one. This is a purely me pick, but Card Captor Sakura, the clear card chapter was winter 2018, also by Madhouse, which was surprising. Um, but yeah, I, I started watching the original Card Captor Sakura for real because of this show. I tried getting into it a, long, a lot of times in the past. I just kept falling off. But I, I just want to go touch on just how ahead of its time and still ahead of its time Card Captor Sakura um, is as a magical girl show. Just um, how even though it follows a monster of the week style, because you're not, she's not actually fighting monsters. She's fighting just like these incarnations of these cars and the, the way they manifest. Um, it's not just simply fighting them. It's like each monster is a puzzle in a way. It's like, okay, this monster is like the, the water card and I can't like contain it mm. because it just falls through everything. So I need to find a way to freeze it and then I can capture it. And each each episode still had that like core monster of the week, like message to tell like in Sailor Moon and all that. But on top of that, it wasn't just like going through the motions to capture them. It really was like, oh, how's she going to do this? Like, this is really interesting. And she's growing her arsenal as she goes on because she can use each of those cards. And Clear Card really um, brought that all to head as well because you can feel just how much of a, a veteran Sakura has become at this at this point um, and all the tricks of the trade. And it's all presented in glorious 1080p, beautiful animation by Madhouse. And it ended on a cliffhanger, and I was very upset about yeah, it. Yeah, so interesting more. thing about uh, Cardcaptor Sakura, and I haven't watched the new series. I'm actually still in the middle of watching the original one from the 90s, mm-hmm. but around 2018, 2017 or so was when, like, the whole pastel retro 90s aesthetic, like, really started kicking off. And mm-hmm. Sakura, I think, was, like, at the middle of that cultural shift um, because it's very indicative of, like, that bubblegum pink, like, pastel tones uh, and also, you know, it's an old series from the 90s. So it just came in at like a very, like, what, was there ever any indication that it was going to be a show beforehand? Uh, like when the manga, original manga came out? Well, no, because uh, like it, it's a very large gap between the last. Or like oh, the, the right. Yeah. Series. Yeah. So I, yeah, like I said, I wasn't following its development. So I'm not sure if there was any indication or not. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I can't say. It was definitely a surprise. It was funny because I thought Clear Card was a remake of the original. <laughs> and so I went into the first episode and they're referencing all these different events. I'm like, this is not a remake. This is a continuation I see now. And so that's when I finally went back and started watching the original again. I'm glad I did. I would like more. There's definitely a lot of other shows on this list, but I won't, uh, I'm not going to go through the rest of them. But yeah, 2018 was a pretty pretty solid year of anime, to say the least. It's, for sure. w- it's weird going back because, like, for me, 2017 and 18 were like the two years I was super, super like working out of articles, get, like writing loads, and also watching quite a bit of anime. And I think it was when I was running the anime section as well. Like, yeah. this was during the era where I was launching and running the anime section. So it is like a, a different chapter of my life. It's pretty weird going back because, like, the other years, it's felt like going quite back in, yeah, it's going back in time quite a bit. But mm. this feels like it's very recent, so it's yep. pretty strange. It's within yeah, the podcast lifetime, which is very odd. Yeah. All right, we're going to come to a closing now, and that's a good set of way to talk about the podcast lifetime now. And so our lifetimes, us three, Harry, Matt, and Kyle, our lifetimes have been moving on as well. And times have changed since 2018 when we first started the podcast. We um, we're working more jobs, we're doing more activities, and we're finding less time to contribute to the show. And so 
we have decided that it is time to bring this wonderful roller coaster of an anime podcast to a close. Take your tickets, exit the amusement park. We're going to start sunsetting this uh, show going forward. Uh, we plan on having two more episodes after this. We want to, at the very least, very least, finish our journey <laughs> through the decade. The thing that we set out on, I think, at the beginning of this year. We're going to finish that out. We're going to see that through the end. But after that, all things, good things must come to an end as well. Mm -hmm. And that is this podcast. We've had a blast recording it. We really enjoy putting it together, but we just can't. We... It's time. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. It's, I mean, people will know that like there's there's been a lot of episodes where the three of us can't get together, mm -hmm. and and like where one of us is out and stuff, and it's just because like we're all so busy. Yeah. Even though we don't record that often, it's still difficult to but arrange it. Honestly, like, like I I really like that we had 2018 as the year that we covered here in this episode where we talk about this because yes, it's it was very to appropriate. Look back where it's like it was such a perfect storm or like perfect congruence of all of us having time to watch time to consume time to talk and time to think about anime in general and it's like that's just kind of not our lives anymore yep yep mm. time marches on it stops for no one <sighs> it's, it it's, it's, it's yep that's that's the that's a theme in many anime, and I I like seeing that theme more and more lately. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting as you get older, like what I think stories and themes appeal to you more. Right, exactly. More adult protagonists, please. Oh, mm. Negashimas. All right, but with that out of the way, let's jump right into our regular closing and shout out. So, Harry, for the third to last time. Where can we find yeah. you and what can you do you want to shout out? Although I know what you want to shout out already, but go ahead and shout it out anyways. <laughs> what, what, what do I want to shout out? Do you not know what you want to shout out? Oh, my album, maybe. There you go, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, so I shouted it out last time, so don't be crazy. But now it's actually out. It. Um, well, no, it, it was out last time. It's oh, also, okay, never mind. It, it released, uh, no, it's all good. It released, I think it was August the 18th, okay. I believe. So it's been out for like a little bit. Um, but yeah, like like check it out if you feel like it. Uh, my artist name is Corison, so that's C-O-R-I-S-O-N. Uh, I'm on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all the good places. Um, so my album is called We Might Get to a New Level. It's a uh, very video game themed with lots of chiptune stuff, but then lots of obnoxious shit dance music stuff kind of juxtaposing with that. So yeah, um, I like to think there's a mix of genres on there. So I like to think there's at least something for everyone. You, you'll hopefully find one song you like, even if you don't like electronic music. So that's my hope. Um, yeah, and, and even you guys, you're going to check it out at some point, aren't you? Yeah, I oh, actually yeah, did yeah, already. Sure. And to, to your point, yeah, I'm oh. usually not a fan of that kind of genre of music, but I did really enjoy the the final song in that track, uh, Astral Love. Oh, yeah. I really like the, the chill aspect of that for sure. So yeah, Thank to your you, point, yeah. usually not a fan of that genre, but I really like that final one. Thank you. Sick. Have you, have you had a chance to check any of it out, Kyle? Uh, I, I just checked out like a bit of it uh, just to see what it was like. But no, it, it's definitely uh, up my alley because I do like, oh, we, we've talked about this. Like I, I like chiptune EDM stuff and all like I love uh, yeah. fucking hyper potions. Um, so yeah, I, Sweet. I very crunchy, good video game uh, poppy stuff. I'm very interested. Hell in yeah. That. I'm all about that crunch. So yeah. Um, yeah. Give it a listen, guys. And um yeah, in terms of anime stuff, I've been watching uh, the Junji Ito collection on Crunchyroll. Uh, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, like, Junji Ito is a very talented guy. He's a very talented horror writer. And mm -hmm. um, 
obviously like yeah, the collection you get like a real mix of his short stories it's pretty scattershot in quality some of it's a bit more like weak some of it's really strong but in general like like throughout all of it you can see that like he's a fucking clever guy and he's got a really good creative mind when it comes to like creepy horror so yeah i've been enjoying that it's good fun um so yeah good vibes yeah exactly good vibes all around kyle keep the good vibes going or are you gonna crash them into the ground uh, we'll see. I don't even know where <laughs> this train's going, but I am, <clears throat> what am I going to plug? Um, so I, I'm not able to really like consume much these days just because I'm working a lot. Uh, so the way I do do it is while I'm working, I watch VTubers who consume things for me. <laughs> Wait, it's just, just as, not Kyle, Harry has to bring up One Piece once per episode. It's like either yeah. you or I have to bring up VTubers Yeah, and like, you know, episode. I saved it for the end, but here we are, yeah. right? Uh, so Niji Sanji just released their, uh, third generation of VTubers and they're very fun and very, very nice to watch. So yeah. get, get, I need check, to... check them out. They're fun. I need to watch either their stream or their debuts. I checked out the music video. Um, mm. I, I will say like the music video, it's probably because I haven't watched their debuts or any of their streams, but it sounds like one singer throughout the video. I can't distinguish their voices at all mm. during it, but it, it's a nice song. It's a nice song. All right. And you can find me at Musing Mojack, M-A-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K on Twitter. I'm also the anime editor for Goomba Stomp, which is where this podcast is hosted until the end it, uh, end of the line. Uh, I will be posting, like I said, mentioned earlier, I'm currently putting together a list of just very good single occur anime shows. So if you're not looking to put in a large investment of like a 50 plus episode show or even a 24 episode show, I, here are some sh- nice 11 to 13 episode shows that are just nice, self-contained. They start and end. You don't have to seek out any manga, no light novel, no video game afterwards. It's just like, it's one and done. And it's great. We need more of those so what check uh be on the lookout for that article should be going up pretty soon if it's not already up by the time this episode is up um you can also find me on twitch at musing mojack as well it's during monday wednesday and friday i'm trying to do more art uh, i've i've uh i'm working on a pomu piece right now a pomu, pomu. Rainpa from niji sanji yeah just it's very pomu. slowly chugging away at that starting to also scratch the surface of human anatomy just like a tiny pinprick of a depth there. So that's going to be a trip. But yeah, check me out on any of those locations. And thank you for listening to this episode, especially this episode and every episode after this as well. We really appreciate the audience that takes the time to come listen to us amongst the plethora, sea, multitude of other podcasts out there for that you choose to come check us out. Even if you don't leave a comment or anything like that, it still means a lot to us. So thank you very much. Until then, we will see you next time. Until we don't. Ciao.